good to be here tonight. It's good to see each of you here uh, tonight. Come to pray together, to be encouraged in God's Word in the middle of the week when, um, when uh, we need that encouragement. We need the encouragement of the fellowship from each other. Um, God encourages us to continue in fellowship with believers um, as a part of, of our of our uh, growth and development and encouragement to, to uh, not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. <clears throat> and it seems like even so now, as things are getting worse and worse, we need, to, we need to come together and be encouraged in God's Word. Tonight, I want to look at Matthew 26, um, verse 36. Yes, verse 36 is Jesus' prayer before his crucifixion. And um, just focus a little bit on our own time of prayer and how we can best spend that time in prayer. So Matthew 26, starting at verse 36, let me read. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the, to the disciples and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So we take note that Jesus is spending some time in prayer when he is deeply troubled and going through um, the greatest challenge and turmoil of all history. I don't think you can overstate that. Jesus is about ready to go to the cross. And he spends some time in prayer. And in fact, he agonizes in prayer. What does it mean to agonize in prayer? I think what Jesus is doing here, he, he knows God's will and he struggles with it. Verse 39, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I'm glad he didn't stop there. He went on to say, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
he acknowledged that the cup, the life, the event that God had in store for him was indeed a difficult one. A very difficult one. He was going to the cross. He was going through physical, mental, spiritual anguish for our sake. And so in the midst of a difficult situation, he thought, if it's possible, I can pray that I not have to experience this. How does that lead us in our prayer? We often pray, Lord, help me have a good day. It's not that we shouldn't want a good day, but what we should pray is for God's purpose and God's will. Right? I mean, that lesson is said simply, but it is very, very hard to live out. We are so self-centered in our prayer time. It's about us and our difficulty instead of Lord, show me how to live in your will and to live out your will and your purpose. <clears throat> I can't even say that point in a finger because it is our natural um, our natural bent to think of ourselves instead of thinking of God's purpose and God's will. So I think Jesus acknowledged that he would want pleasant things, but in the end he acknowledged it's God's purpose that that I need to give over to. He agonized with this. It's interesting while he's agonizing with this, what are the disciples doing? <laughs> Sleeping. They're totally unaware and seemingly unfazed by what he's going through. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but sometimes um, that bothers me. That others can be unaware of what the inner turmoil that you might have or might wrestle with, that I might have or that I might be wrestling with. But know this. God is not sleeping. God is aware. He knows. He's not callous. He's not absent-minded. He's not forgetful. He's not brutal. He's not harsh. He's aware. And he is Lord, so it's his will that we should rely on. So he goes to his disciples. He asks them, 
In fact, the first thing, you look at verse 38, he says, my soul is, is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. He asked them to watch. He asked them to, to, to just, I don't know what that means. Does it mean just stand and support? Does it mean, um, I don't know exactly what they were to do with that. But he's going through a very, very trying and difficult time. I know he didn't expect them to just fall asleep. But it says in verse 40, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He goes away again. And he, he says, it's my father. If this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. I think God wants us to get to that place where we give over to his will. Um, in our case, we aren't even sure what that is. We, not, we may not necessarily know what God has asked or what kind of sacrifice he may be asking us to do. Jesus knew exactly what that is, and he, he went into it knowing. But I think our responsibility is simply say, Lord, let your will be done. Help me to, to be okay and to follow and submit to, to your will in my life. Um, I think <clears throat> I have seen some of God's greatest blessings um, when I submit to, to God's will. In other words, I, I say, God, this is, this is difficult. I don't really want to go this route. Um, but if this is the route, I'm not sure this is the route you want me to go, but if this is it, I submit to your will. And I've said that several times, and God just kind of redirects me, or maybe the thing that I was looking forward to wasn't as fearful um, as, as it could have been. I see God's blessing in it. Um, and, and, and I don't know if that's just a matter of perspective or, or, or if he changes that or not. But it's something about submitting ourselves under God that, that uh, he, he, he seems to just carry us. And even when we have to face the difficulty, God is carrying us. And so Jesus does submit. He says, nevertheless, your will be done. I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus to face that kind of, 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 of uh, pain and, and suffering, knowing what he would go through. Um, I shudder to think uh, many times, or I, man, I, I, don't, I don't want that. I don't want this. I, I hope I don't have to face this. And I, I fret about things that haven't even happened yet and may not ever even happen. Instead of just saying, Lord, okay, you are a loving God. You're, you're my heavenly father. Let me say yes to your will. And you'll work it out after that. And you'll work it out for your good and for your glory. I trust you in that. He did that for Jesus. Now Jesus is exalted at his right hand and, and, and authority has been handed over to him. He has gained victory for his people by dying on the cross for their sins. So Jesus is indeed victorious. There was a price to pay for that. 
And I don't know how he got through that except to know that God carried him through. And now he's victorious over it. I guess my encouragement to you is submit yourself to God in whatever that might look like and trust that God will carry you through. Submit yourself to God. Good evening, saints. Going to be continuing our meditation through the Gospel of John. And we're getting towards the final section of the book. And in John 13, we're going to see a couple interesting things. And I want you, as I read through it, try to think what this chapter is about because it is about something. And when you get into chapter 13, you're going to be struck by two different ideas. Okay? As I read through it, you're going to get two different ideas. But I want you to be reminded that scripture is best defined as a sword. It has a single point. Okay? So think about these two points, right? There's going to be two main points that you're going to see here. And then the goal going to be to hone that to one point, okay? So let me read through. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. Now when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit 
and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What are you are doing, going to do, do quick. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Jesus had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. And when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, let a little while, and I am with you. What? Let yet a little while while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. All right. What is this chapter about? pointing to a little bit of time afterwards and I think maybe Jamar is combining the two points that I'm going to make but let's 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 talk about what the other major theme is there's somebody who Satan entered into somebody who is doing all kind of stuff he seems to be the second major most important character in this chapter who's the second most important character in this chapter second major is Judas my first major is who Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is doing all the talking in this chapter. And there's only two other people who talk. Right? There's Peter. There's John. And then we got Judas there. We 
got Judas there. And we can't deny that Judas is a big part of this chapter. In fact, some of the most stirring things in this chapter are said, are said about him. At this point, Satan entered into him. Where else do you see that in scripture? Now, I know we talk about demonic possession and things like that, but how many people do you think of in the whole scripture who are not just possessed by a demon, but are possessed by Satan himself? I can't name another time. Right? And so when we look at Judas, we see something amazing going on. Now, let me ask you another question. Whose feet did Jesus wash? What did he say? He washed all of their feet. Included in that number of all is who? Judas. Why did Jesus wash Judas' feet? That starts to get to what the chapter is about. Let's say this another way. Was, Judas, was Jesus trying to keep the mystery alive? What makes us know that Jesus is not possessed with keeping the mystery alive? Because somebody asked him who he was, and he told him. So why did Jesus wash Judas' feet? I'm going to disagree with you, but I see where you're coming from. Okay, let's talk about this. What is a church? So what? It's a body of Christ. You can say that. But do we know that? You can say that, but do you know that? Can you say with 100% surety that everybody in this room is clean? What did Jesus tell them to do? Wash each other's feet. When you wash your feet, he also said after that, watch out and don't wash Judas's feet. Was that the second part? That was not the second part. His command was wash one another's feet. I'm going to tell you what God revealed to me about this chapter. It is amazing. This chapter is about the church. This chapter is about church life. Who's in the church? You got apostles. You got some good men in the church. You got good men and ladies in the church. Guess who else you got? You got Judas. And you can't tell me you can tell the difference between Judas and Peter. Let me point to you why you can't tell the difference between Judas and Peter. Because guess what? Both of them all betrayed Jesus. In this chapter, they both betrayed Jesus. Judas has Satan enter him. Peter 
with false bravado promises he's going to do something that he can't do. And Jesus pops his bubble. In the church, you will face three types of people. You will face Judas. You will face fellow believers. You will face Peter's. And the command is, wash each other's feet. And when you wash somebody's feet, you don't know, right? Let's talk about washing feet. Why did Peter not want Jesus to wash his feet? He said, that's humiliating. That's beneath you, Jesus. That's beneath you to wash my feet. I don't want to put you down like that, Lord. You're better than that. Jesus said, I'm not better than that. Nope, I'm going to wash your feet. It makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. But it's something I have to do for you. Part of church is doing something uncomfortable to somebody else's feet. Not knowing if that thick foot can come up and kick you right in the face. And even if that foot does kick you in the face, you still got to go to the next person to wash their feet. Because we don't know somebody whose feet we wash could kick us in the face one week and come back later, repent it, and say, no, wash them. Please, wash my feet. And you wash them, and they don't kick you. That's Peter. <laughs> this chapter is about the church. Because when we minister to each other, we don't know the outcome of what God is going to do in that life or what Satan is going to do in that life. We don't know, but we still minister with full hearts of love and assurance that God's work will be done. We do not operate as if we're the CIA, that we could tell who's going to be who. That's why Jesus washed Judas' feet. Not because he didn't know, but because he was showing an example to them. That's what he said in the text, right? I'm showing you an example of what you should do. Nobody in here is beneath washing a Judas's feet. Nobody in here is so good they don't need their feet washed. Nobody in here is so good they shouldn't wash somebody else's feet. Nobody in here is so good they should save themselves from embarrassment. Nobody in here is so good they should save somebody else from embarrassment. We must serve the Lord. And if we love him, we will serve one another. People often get that order mixed up. I love other people, and that's how I show I love God. Nope. Love God, and he will make you love other people. That's why this chapter is about the church. It's a revelation. It's a mystery. And the mystery is the church doesn't always know. And I've been learning this lesson these last few weeks. minister somebody you think they one way you come back a few weeks later they another way and the temptation is I'm not going to keep washing feet I'm not going to do that no more and then God says but didn't you just wash somebody else's feet the exact same way and they repented yeah Lord go ahead and wash that other pair of feet what if they kick me? What if they do? What if they do? 
what I told you. And that's heavy. That's heavy. Because there is no promise of future success. There's only a promise that if you obey God, he will bless. That's church life. That is church life. Another one raise his hand. Go ahead. somebody else's feet. Do it. You might suspect you wash it a Judas's feet. 